0: My name is Greg Kodrowski. and this is my podcast, Theology 101. I like to study the Bible, and I don't think the Bible is really that difficult to understand. For the most part, it's really pretty simple, and simple is better. So if you're like me, and you want to know more about the Bible, or if you just want to hear more about the Bible, stick around. And if you want to know more about me or check out my pedigree, Google me, or visit my website, theology101.net So we're calling the podcast Theology 101, and I've also got a website that's also called theology101.net So I'd like to talk to talk to you a little bit right now about why I'm calling it Theology 101. I'd like to start with a question. What are we doing? Take just a minute, think about that, and think about this with me As a church, the church of Jesus Christ, what are we doing in the world today? The local churches, if you think about the churches today, what are churches doing? And individual Christians, what are we doing? Sunday after Sunday and week after week, years go by, we're doing stuff. We're real busy, we've got nice buildings. We've got all of our sound equipment, we've got all of our teaching materials, we've got Bibles and Bible studies and books and music, but I want you to think with me, and I want you to go to, if you if you have a Bible, go to Ecclesiastes. If you don't have a Bible, if you're just listening to me, I'm going to read it to you. The first passage in the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm going to read the first four verses, then we're going to jump down to the last verse of the passage in verse 11. I want you to think about this in the context of what are we doing in the world today. Ecclesiastes 1.1, the Bible says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He asks a question in verse 3, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he hath taken under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. So the earth is here, the earth is going to stay, we come and go. Verse 3 asks the question, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he hath taken under the sun? Then verse 11, Ecclesiastes one eleven finishes out this passage by saying, There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. You know, you and I, we're going to live what? The Bible says we get our three score and ten. We'll live 70 years, 80, maybe 90, unless we get sick or run over by a bus. And then after that, what happens? Well, we die. And then what happens here on earth under the sun? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be forgotten. I mean, think about that. We live 70, 80, 90 years at best. We die. We're forgotten. And what have we done? What are we doing here that really makes a difference? What are we doing that really makes an eternal difference with the lives God's given us? And so when you think about the answer to that question, I wonder, could you answer that question with confidence? Could you answer that question with certainty? You know, I think I could. I really don't think it's that difficult to answer. I don't think it's that difficult to answer with confidence and certainty. But you know, I think there's a lot of believers out in churches today that couldn't answer that question with very much confidence or with much certainty. And so I'd like to take just a moment. It's probably going to be about 30 moments. And I want to talk about this. I'd like to explain according to what the Bible says what I think we're doing and what I think we should be doing. And I want to start in the Old Testament. I want to run back to 2 Kings chapter 17. Second Kings chapter seventeen is the story of Israel being carried away into captivity by Assyria. Now you know that the uh, kingdom of Israel it was divided. A civil war began after the uh, kingdom of or after the after Solomon was reigning on the throne, and you had the kingdom split. You had ten tribes up in the north; they're called Israel. And you had the two tribes down south; and they were called Judah. Now in Second Kings seventeen we read about Israel, the ten tribes in the north. So about 721 B.C., God raptures Israel, the ten tribes of the north. He raptures them off the promised land, and he takes them out of the land in judgment into the Assyrian captivity. I want you to think about that. Now, obviously, the Bible doesn't use that word rapture to talk about taking the the ten tribes off of the the promised land. But that's exactly what God did. He gathered them up, he picked them up, and took them off of the promised land in judgment, and took them out into captivity by the hand of Syria. And so, let's read about this rapture of God's people off the earth, off the promised land, in judgment. It says in verse 5, and I'm going to read 5 to 7 to give us a good start. It says, Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. And in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala, and in Habor by the river Gosan and in the cities of the Medes. And verse 7 says, For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned, "...against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods." So, God says very clearly why he took them out of the land, why he raptured them off the land in judgment. It says here in verse 7 that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God. Okay, that's pretty easy to understand. Sin brings consequences. And obviously, if we're God's people, Israel being God's people, sinned against God, there were some pretty stern consequences. Let me ask you this. How was it that they sinned? What did they do? What does God say they did that resulted in their rapture from the land, in their being taken from the land in captivity by Assyria. In this same chapter, 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 13, 14, and 15, it tells us exactly what they did. 2 Kings seventeen thirteen, the Bible says, Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hearkened, or pardon, they hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. In verse 15 it says, And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers, and his testimonies which he testified against them, They followed vanity, became vain, and went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says they rejected God's statutes. They rejected the word of God, and they turned to what? They went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them, that they should not do like them. So what are we seeing here? The children of Israel, God's people, they would not hear God, but hardened their necks, they disobeyed God, they separated themselves from his word, his statutes, refused to obey him, and rather went after the heathen that were round about them. And in verse 18, it says, Therefore... Because of their sin of apostasy and idolatry, because of their sin of turning away from God and turning to the world, therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. And so, therefore, God raptured his people off the earth, out of the promised land, and into judgment. In verse 23, last verse of this passage, it says, Till the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants to prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. So the ten tribes of the north were raptured off the promised land, right off the earth, and they were taken captive to Assyria. So what does that have to do with us? And obviously, I've been priming the pump by uh, using the word rapture. To talk about this catching away of God's people off the off the promised land in judgment. But what does that have to do with us? We're living in the church age. We're living in 2020 something or other. So what does it have to do with us? Well, the last days of the church are very similar to the last days of Israel in the land. Now, Paul speaks of this in 1 Timothy 4:1. And God says very, very clearly what the last days of the church age would be like. Right before the rapture of the church, right before God catches away his people and takes us off this land and takes us into judgment at the judgment seat of Christ, here's what God says is going to happen. Paul, writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there's going to be apostasy. That's what that means. In the latter times, some are going to depart from the faith. They had the faith and they departed from it. That's apostasy. To have the truth and then to turn away from the truth is apostasy. So the prophecy that's given by the Spirit, speaking expressly, which means there's certainty in these words, is that at the end of the church age, there's going to be an apostasy. People are going to turn away from the truth. They're going to turn away from the faith, which is the body of faith, the body of doctrine that has been delivered unto us, the Bible, the Scriptures. And turning away from the faith, they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So instead of listening to the doctrine of God, they turn away from the faith, the doctrine of God, and they turn unto false doctrine, which the Bible calls doctrines of devils. And so here we see the problem pretty well defined. Then the next book in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, a very well-known passage for many of us, Paul talks about this issue again. He says. For the time will come, these are the last days of the church age, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. So they're not going to suffer sound doctrine. They will not suffer it. They will not put up with it. They will not endure sound doctrine. They just don't want to hear it. You know, sound doctrine has no place in the ministry of the modern church of the last days of the church age. You know, rather than hearing sound doctrine, what people in the churches of the last days of the church age want are teachers who will tickle their ears. What they want is to be turned unto fables. Fables, you know, entertainment. Something that makes me feel good. Something that entertains me. Something that stirs my emotion. Fables. Dramas. Entertainment. You know, we're living the same thing today today that we saw in 2 Kings 17 with Israel in Assyria. Israel turned away from the Word of God. Israel adapted to the culture of the nations around them. Yes, I use the phrase, adapt to culture. So instead of giving themselves to the Word of God, instead of learning the Scripture, applying the Scripture, They chose rather to act like those of the world, to act like the nations around them. And, you know, I fear that that's what we're seeing in our days. You know, there's so much apathy toward doctrine today. There's so much indifference toward the doctrine of the Word of God today. And I would even say there's active opposition to sound doctrine being taught in the pulpits of churches today. People don't want to hear doctrine. People don't want 45 minutes or 60 minutes or, or more of doctrine. No, no, no. What we want is to be relevant. What we want is to be entertained. What we want is to get to church and have something for me. Yeah, we want to adapt to culture. Oh, you got to be one to reach one. Well... Let's go back to our question. What are we doing? You know, all of this concerns me. Obviously, it irritates me. Obviously, at times, makes me angry. But it also concerns me. Why? Well, because I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be an apostate. I don't want to be one who turns away from the truth of the Word of God to be turned into fables, entertainment. I'd rather be faithful, faithful to God and faithful to the Word of God. So, so yeah, So we can, we can ask ourselves, okay, what are we doing in the church today? What's the church doing? Well, let's ask another question. What could we do? What can we do? What well, we can do and what I would like to do. You know, in Hosea 4.6, God gives another one of the reasons, principal reasons for why Israel was taken captive by Syria. And in Hosea 4.6, I know you probably know this, the Bible says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, in 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul talking to his, uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, left Timothy in Ephesus as the, the, the senior pastor, if you will, of that local church. And he talks to Timothy about what, what is expected of him as a pastor in a local church. And Paul gives him this instruction in First Timothy 3, 14 and 15. He says, These things write I unto thee. Timothy, senior pastor of a local church, these things are write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Local churches are to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Okay, Pilate, what is truth? Well, the Bible says very clearly what is truth. In John 14.6, you know what the Bible says is truth. John 14.6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me uh, cometh unto the Father, but by me. Well, Jesus Christ is the truth. And then Jesus Christ said in his prayer to the Father in John seventeen verse seventeen, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's design for the local church is that the local body of believers would be a pillar and ground of the truth a pillar and ground of the doctrine of Jesus Christ that the local church would be the pillar and ground of the truth of the word of god the scripture you know i want to know god i want to know jesus christ and i want to know jesus christ by knowing his word And I would propose to you there's no other way to know Jesus Christ. The true Christ, the true God, is the God of the Bible. He has revealed himself. He is the God of the Bible. He's revealed himself through the Bible. So I want to learn Christ by learning the Bible. And folks, I believe that's exactly what we need today, the last days of the church age the last days before the rapture of God's people off the land in judgment to take us to the judgment seat of Christ because of our infidelity to his word, our infidelity to the name that we carry being called Christians. You know, Paul had another ministry partner, Titus. He left Titus on the Isle of Crete to establish local churches, establish leadership in those local churches. We might look to Titus as a a good pattern and model of a missionary. And Paul tells Titus in Titus 1.5, for this cause left I thee in Crete. And he says that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. You know what we need? We need to set in order the things that are wanting in our churches today, in our lives as individual Christians. We need to set in order the things that are wanting. And I'll tell you one thing very specific that is wanting. Sound doctrine. We become so sodden and drunk with the entertainment of this world we don't want to hear sound doctrine. We would rather be entertained and manipulated emotionally when the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. So let's set in order the things that are wanting so that, Titus 2.1, we might speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. We need to correct ourselves. We need to set in order the things that are wanting so that we speak the things which become sound doctrine. And, Titus 2.10, so that we may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. You know, folks... There's things that are wrong in our lives. There's things that are wrong in our churches. There's things that are wrong in the modern church today. And it all ties back to doctrine. Doctrine precedes practice. You get bad doctrine, you get bad practice. Now let's think about this, okay? I mentioned before I've got this website. Now i got a podcast called Theology 101. Okay, website Theology101.net. I was a pastor for about 20 years. About 15 of those years, I was a pastor and a missionary in in Latin America. I am not a scholar, but during the years that God allowed me to pastor, especially down in Costa Rica, down in in Latin America, what I tried to do was study my Bible so that I could teach my people So that I could preach expositorily to my people, so that I could feed the congregation that God gave me, to feed the sheep what God wanted them fed, to give them the truth of his word. And so I took all my studies, all my messages, all the books that I wrote, put them out on my website. I've got a bunch of that stuff in English, and I called that website theology 101. I call it Theology 101 because I like theology. It's study of God and scripture. And I also like 101 because it talks about the basic things. It's like in the university. When you go to university and you're a freshman, you take the 101 classes, you know, the basic ones, the fundamentals, the easy ones. And so I call it Theology 101. Why? Well, because honestly, learning the Bible is not that difficult. So think about this. Think about this. Let's just run through it. Let's take it one term at a time. Theology 101. Theology. The term simply refers to God. Theos. And then Logos. Study. The study of God. Yeah, sure, we can study God and creation and conscience. Like I said, that's the general revelation God gave all men. That's why it's the big cosmic, duh, there is a God. We all know that. There's a creation, so there's a creator. But... If we want to know God, the God who has revealed Himself through special revelation, through language, through communication with His creatures, if we want to know Him, His attributes, His works, well, that means we have to study the special revelation that He gave us, the communication in words that He gave us. We need the Scripture. Scripture is essential in the life of a christian folks you can't be saved without the scripture read 2 Timothy 3:15 read John 17:3 the bible scripture shows us how we can be saved and through scripture through learning the bible and doing what it tells us to do we grow in what the bible calls holiness you remember how god told israel Be ye holy, for I am holy. We grow in holiness because God is conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So folks, Scripture is essential. Entertainment is not. Drama, dance club, fancy music and sound systems, theater seats, coffee shops, cute little hipster beards and high water skinny jeans. None of that is essential, folks. It's Bible. And I want to say also that it is of uh, its utmost importance. It's the study of the Bible. We need to learn to study the Bible. We need to learn how to study the Bible. We need to study the Bible well. Because if we do that, We'll learn of God. We can know God by knowing the Bible. We can learn of God by learning the Bible. But I'll tell you what, the opposite's true. If you don't study the Bible, you will not know God. You'll have some sort of figment of your imagination that you'll think is God, but you made him up. You have taken the creation, your own imagination, and you've made it God. And I'll tell you what, too. You know, if we don't study the Bible well, we're going to end up twisting the scripture. And if we twist the scripture, we're going to end up having a twisted understanding of God. You see how that works? It's orthodoxy, good doctrine, leads us to orthopraxy or orthopraxis, good practice. But heterodoxy, messed up doctrine, leads us to heteropraxy or heteropraxis, bad practice. So our conduct is always based on doctrine. We do what we know. And so good doctrine is going to lead us to good conduct, and bad doctrine is going to lead us to bad conduct. How do you think the modern church got into the mess it's in today? Yeah, bad doctrine. So I'm calling my podcast, and I'm calling my website, Theology101. It's theology. I want to know God. And it's 101. Now think about this. The Bible is not that difficult to understand. Now, obviously, here's a few, here's a few obvious things. Obviously, the natural man cannot understand the Bible. That's 1 Corinthians 2:14. I get it. He can understand it like a history book or a nonfiction book, or he can get some things out of it. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to get the whole message. Okay, so obviously, there's an obvious. Obviously, the natural man is not going to understand all of the Bible. And obviously, there are some things difficult that are difficult to understand. That's 2 Peter 3.16. Okay, I get it. But honestly, there ain't that many of them. And two, when we think about the Bible, here's another obvious thing. It is the Word of God. It is the mind of Christ. And so the Bible is as profound as the mind from whence it came. Yeah, I know, it's an easy, I can say it's an easy book to understand, but you will never understand it all. You'll spend your life scratching but the surface of the depths of the riches of the Word of God. But in all honesty, it's like I called my podcast and my website, it's Theology 101. There is a lot in the Bible that we can understand without great difficulty. A lot from Genesis to Revelation, history, prophecy, practice, what we're supposed to be doing. It's not that difficult, folks. And so let me say this, kind of as a way to wrap it up. When I was down in Latin America, pastor in a church and preaching and teaching, I would tell my people, read the Bible and do what it says. And that sounds pretty good on the surface. That sounds pretty good. We use that for, I don't know, we used that for years. My people down there probably still remember it. Read the Bible. Do what it says. Right? Sounds good. But I'm going to change it just a little bit. Let's change it up. Let's tweak it. Let's make it just a little bit more applicable, a little bit more accurate. Learn the Bible and do what it tells you. Now, think about that. We said before, read the Bible. Now, learn the Bible. See the difference? You can read the Bible without learning the Bible. You can read the Bible, stand up, and forget everything that you read. How many times have you done that in your morning quiet time? Sit down with your cup of coffee, start reading, thinking about your day, get your four pages in, 10 pages in, 50 pages in, how many ever you read, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, what did I just read? So instead of saying, read the Bible and do what it says, let's say learn the Bible, because that means something different. And then instead of saying, do what it says, why don't we be a little bit more specific? Do what it tells you. You know, if we're going to learn the Bible, well, that means we need to approach it in a systematic way. You know, if we're going to learn the Bible, we need to look at it as a whole, because the Bible came from one mind, and so the Bible is one unified whole. You know, there's one theme to the Bible. There's one purpose in having written the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, there's one thing that God is doing. And yet we see various divisions in Scripture, different stages in the progression of Revelation, stages in the development of the history of the Bible. So there's a structure in the unity. And so we need to study that. We need to know that. You know, Old Testament, New Testament, law, grace, Adam in the garden, Adam after the garden, let's take some time together in Theology 101 and understand the purpose of God in giving us Scripture, the purpose of God in making all of creation, the purpose of God in your life and in mine. Let's take some time and study the unifying theme of the Bible. What's it all about? And let's take some time looking at the structure of Of the Bible and how it organizes its content and then let's take some time looking at the content. Have you ever wondered what the book of Numbers is all about? Have you ever wondered what the book of Romans is all about? How about the book of John? Why is John so much different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Why are Matthew, Mark, and Luke so similar? Why do we have three and not just one? What is up with the book of Acts? You got Peter preaching to the Jews, and then all of a sudden Paul comes along, and then everything goes out to the Gentiles. Well, have you ever read the book of Hebrews? Now tell me there's not some stuff in there you'd like to learn, or Revelation. So I want to learn the Bible. I like studying the Bible. And here, In my shiny little podcast, Theology 101, I like to study the Bible with y'all. So if you got some time, you want to hang out, listen to me and what I've learned and how I've learned it, and you're welcome. Learn the Bible. And learn the Bible. I like to read books, I read a lot of books. Books are great. I like to listen to good preachers and teachers. Okay, I've got some good ones on my list. But you know, at the end of the day, I want to study the Bible. I want to study God's Word. That's where my joy is. That's where happiness is found. Well, that and on top of my Coke crate preaching on the street corner. But that's what I want to do here. I want to learn the Bible. I want to talk about that. And then I want to learn the Bible to do what it says, to do, because I want to be a doer of the Word and not just a hearer of the Word. And that means two things. First, folks, we need to develop a biblical theology. We need to start at the beginning. We need to develop a theology of of how this, this thing developed. How did we get here to the church age, and what does that mean? I hear so many people talking about Christians in the Old Testament, and I hear so many people talking about Christians in the Gospels. And folks, we need to learn the Bible. We need to develop a biblical theology starting with the theme of the Bible, the one unifying theme of the Bible— and see how that theme develops through the different stages of this structure, of how the Bible is structured, and then take that that knowledge and go from Genesis to Revelation, and just looking and observing how God develops his theology through history. I want to develop a biblical theology. And then that means we also need to develop an applied theology. A biblical theology has no use if we just leave it in our heads. We need an applied theology. You know, the doctrine, the the teaching, what the Bible says, because it only says one thing. Doctrine serves, what, in 2 Timothy 3.16? You know what it says. Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It proceeds from the mouth of God. God breathed. He breathed it out. And when you breathe out words, that's called speech. So God gave the words, and the words are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. Our biblical theology needs to become an applied theology. And in that way, the scripture we are learning perfects us. In the hands of the Holy Spirit of God, it conforms us to the image of Christ. In the scripture, we have the answer because it's the scripture that renews our mind And it's the Scripture that teaches us how we are supposed to live. What should we be doing? You remember the question we started with? What are we doing? Well, we ought to be doing what the Bible says. And then just one more thing when I say learn the Bible and do what it tells you. Let's pay attention to that last word, too. Do what it tells you. And that means we need to have a little bit of discernment in our studies. Because, you know, God gave us the whole Bible for our edification. That's obvious. God wants us to learn from everything in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, but God did not write all of the Bible to us. So we need to learn how to study the Bible so that we don't twist Scripture out of its context and apply something to ourselves We have no business applying to ourselves. Learn the Bible and do what it tells you. You know, that's what I want to do here. Like I said, my shiny neat podcast. That's why I put this little title on it, Theology 101. I want to study the Bible. I want to learn more of the Bible. And I want to apply it in my life. So, Here's where I want to share that. Here's where I want to put that out. What I am learning, how I am learning it, what I am doing to apply it. So, you know, if that interests you, you got an hour, you know, more or less, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes 45, maybe an hour, hour and a half, I don't know. Sometime each week, if you got some time and you want to hear about the Bible, if you've got some time and you want to hear from a guy who studies the Bible, well, I'd invite you to subscribe to my podcast. I would also invite you to visit my webpage, theology101.net. You know, when I came back up here from Latin America, I pastored a church for about three years. don't have all of my material that I was able to develop in Spanish, don't have it all in English, but there's some stuff out there. So if you want to check it out, it's all free. You can read it. You can download it. i got a bunch of audios up there. You can check it out and see what it's all about, and out there on my website, theology101.net, I've got a contact page. So if you want to get in contact with me, that's the way you can do it. So what's next? Well, the next episode of our podcast, I want to talk about discipleship. You know, as we look at the modern church, you visit churches or you uh, have one of those Facebook accounts you hear a lot about discipleship. You follow people from churches if you're in a church and I'm sure most of your friends or some of your friends, you know, on Facebook or from church and so you you look and you pay attention to what they post and you you see things out there. You 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 see this like somebody says, "Hey, here's my disciple." Or or they they hold up a a set of booklets and they say, "Hey, look, I'm in discipleship." Or they talk about some program. Yeah, we're doing discipleship on Tuesday nights. Or we're doing discipleship on Saturday mornings. Or you see somebody holding up a certificate. And this is one of the best ones. It's kind of sad. Holds up a certificate. Hey, I finished discipleship. Really? Man, I got a lot more to go. I haven't finished discipleship. Frankly, sometimes I think I have barely begun. I want to talk about discipleship because I think that's important. I think it's important, like Paul told Titus, that we should set in order the things that are wanting, and I think one of the things that's wanting today in our churches is biblical discipleship. But I think discipleship, as it is known in many of the modern churches today, is really, really wanting and needs to be set in order. So what is discipleship? Is it a set of booklets? Is it a program in the church? Is it even for us today? Because I tell you what, the last time disciple is mentioned in the Bible is the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul never mentions disciple, discipleship, that word in any of his epistles. You don't find it from Romans, even all the way through Revelation. So don't miss the next teaching. Don't miss the next podcast. I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a blessing. So please join me in my next podcast on Theology 101. Thanks for spending your time listening to my podcast, Theology 101. Simple is better. And it's just not that difficult to learn the Bible so we can do what it tells us. You can find the rest of my studies in English out on my website, theology101.net. And if you do Spanish, tengo más de 15 años de estudios biblicos disponibles en mi sitio web, teologia101.net. If you'd like to contact me, There's a contact page on my website. You're also more than welcome to visit me any Sunday that you wish. My church information is also out on my website. Remember what Nicholas von Zinzendorf always said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. Learn the Bible, do what it tells you, and come back for more Theology 101.